That's the gunfighter from Blues Traveler here on 1029 The Mater. Hey, guess what? It's time for me to head on out. Coming up on 6 o'clock on this Monday afternoon. But hey, don't go anywhere because we have some very cool stuff happening. It's uh, In the Red Zone coming up here with Rob Witham live from the Sports Page Grill. And then after he gets done with that, he zooms back over here and he takes you into the evening hours with some more great music. We won't forget we have Tom Kent in the morning and great Mater music all day long. Thank you very much to Market Ash and Partnership for being our Map Monday weather sponsor. We really appreciate that. Thanks for letting me invade your airspace and, as usual, I dedicate my show to CJ the DJ. This is 1029 The Mater. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my Somebody new. I see it in your eyes, Lord. It's no surprise what he can do for you. But when I look back, baby, when I look back to what we had, and I know I've got good times, but there were just as many bad, and so I wish you happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my and good evening. It is Monday night and we are at Sports Page Grill in Ashland and coming up next hour in the Red Zone we'll talk live with Randolph making college field hockey coach Jess Weiss. We'll look back at the 2018 season, the strides gained and what we look for in 2019 and beyond. We'll review Saturday in Allentown, Pennsylvania where Randolph Macon's historic football season came to a screeching halt at the hands of the mules of Muhlenberg College. We'll look ahead to high school basketball season which begins in Hanover County
everybody tomorrow night and across the RVA tonight officially. And we have some awards to hand out for Randolph-Macon basketball. It's all coming up live after the news on WHA in Ashland, Richmond, W275BQ Ashland. It's 6 o'clock. NBC News Radio, I'm Dean Mucho. The busiest crossing on the border with Mexico is closed as hundreds of migrants rush the border. Phil Hewlett has more. Customs and Border Protection agents shut down the San Ysidro port of entry near San Diego, meaning all vehicle and pedestrian traffic has come to a halt. A group of migrants stormed past Mexican federal police dressed in riot gear and crossed the Tijuana River toward the U.S. border. Thousands of Central American migrants are camped out in Tijuana with hopes of seeking asylum in the United States. There's no word when the border crossing will reopen. Many holiday travelers hoping to catch flights back home after Thanksgiving are out of luck. More than 650 flights have been canceled thanks to a storm bringing snow, ice, and rain to the Midwest. Over 2,300 flights have also been delayed. Blizzard conditions remain a possibility in parts of Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, and Wisconsin. Chicago has been hit the hardest as over 325 combined flight arrivals and departures were canceled at O'Hare Airport. Tensions are escalating between Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine says Russian warships seized several of its naval ships in the Black Sea near the Crimean Peninsula. The Russian forces reportedly fired on the ships, hurting six Ukrainian crew members. The incident reportedly started when Ukrainian ships tried to sail through a strait near Crimea. Russia annexed Crimea in 2014. Key West is enjoying some unique creations thanks to international artists competing in a sand sculpting competition. Eight leading sculptors from several countries battled for the top honors in the challenge, with each of them receiving nine tons of sand to use as their large-scale creations. Artists molded their designs using only sand and water, as no electric tools, molds, or glue were allowed. Some of the sculptors included a giant toddler bent over to view his world upside down. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Now, Skyscan weather on the Mater. WHAN for tonight, mostly clear with a low around 33. It'll be sunny for Tuesday with a high near 47. Tuesday night, mostly clear with a low around 27. For Wednesday, sunny with a high near 41. Wednesday night, clear with a low around 26. It'll be sunny for Thursday with a high near 45. Partly cloudy for your Thursday night with a low around 30. Friday, partly sunny with a high near 49, and Friday night, mostly cloudy, low around 36. From the center of the universe, this is Chris Mindell. Skyscan weather was brought to you by Market Ashland Partnership. Join us on the web at shopashlandfirst.com and like us on Facebook. The Mater presents In the Red Zone with Rob Witham. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Massey, Wood, and West and by the Sports Page Grill in downtown Ashland.
It's Monday night and we are live at Sports Page Grill Ashland. Welcome into another edition of In the Red Zone here live on 1029 The Mater. Good evening, everybody. Rob with them along with you. After I, I sat down last night and figured it out, 10 days, 1,606 miles and six different states. If you don't count the states of euphoria, confusion, and depression, if you put those three in, then it's actually nine states that we traveled through uh, since November 15th. If you think about it, that Thursday, we went down to William & Mary, covered Patrick Henry Boys Volleyball, winning their third consecutive state championship. And then the following morning, it was Marty Wilson, uh, Sports Information Director Phil Stanton, and myself traveling all the way up near Cleveland, Ohio, for the historic Randolph-Macon football win at John Carroll to open up the NCAA Division III championship tournament. Then back to the RBA to get set after Thanksgiving for our trip this past Friday night up to Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then, of course, Saturday, the second round game against Muhlenberg, a game that did not go uh, the way the Yellow Jackets hoped it would. It was really ironic in the sense that when we went up to John Carroll to get set for round one, uh, almost everyone outside of Randolph-Macon College gave the Yellow Jackets it's no chance whatsoever to beat the number eight team in the country. And one of the reasons why was John Carroll's very stingy defense. But Randolph-Macon found a way to get just enough. It wasn't a huge day on the ground, but Trey Frederick had 101 yards. They had over 140 as a team. Time of possession was over 44 minutes in favor of Randolph-Macon. They forced four interceptions. And as you know, it was the first ever Division Three tournament win for the Yellow Jackets and only their second postseason win in school history, dating back to the 1969 Newt Rockney. Bowl. So they have to go to Muhlenberg at Allentown, Pennsylvania. They were the runners-up in the Centennial Conference behind champion Johns Hopkins, who of course was Randolph-Macon's opening night opponent uh, back just before Labor Day weekend, losing that opener up in Baltimore. Certainly the Yellow Jackets came in confident. Uh, Marty and I thought that they had a legitimate chance of winning the football game, uh, but the Mules set the tone early defensively. They overcame a fumbled punt and an early interception. That one interception uh, Gabe Randolph making the ball at the Muhlenberg 12. They were able to score a touchdown on a Burke Estes two-yard run. But Chris Vidal's point after attempt was blocked, and it preserved a 7-6 lead for Muhlenberg after they had scored on the opening drive of the game. Uh, and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. They scored another touchdown to make it 14-6. And then on the play, that really in the first half, you kind of looked at each other and thought, I don't know if this is going to be randolph Macon's day or not. Third and goal at the three. And the snap goes way over the head of uh, quarterback Michael Metkowski for uh, Muhlenberg, and it goes up off the turf on one hop, and he picked it up perfectly in stride, turned around, rolled to his left, and the left-handed quarterback threw into the end zone and put a perfect pass into the hands of a wide receiver just maybe six inches too high for the outstretched fingertips of Steven Richardson, the freshman out of Arena. And it was a three-yard touchdown run to the box, box score, but it actually was about a 27-yard pass unofficially and at that point you had that sinking feeling in your heart that unless there was a comeback in the offing that we weren't seeing it was not going to be a good day for randolph macon they got the ball to start the second half uh, promptly went three and out muhlenberg set the tone for the rest of the game and went on for the 35 to 6 victory that the disheartening stat of the afternoon total yards gained by the randolph macon offense who averages 389 a game coming into that muhlenberg affair they only got 98 yards of total offense Offense. The De Muhlenberg defense did a fantastic job at neutralizing the Randolph-Macon offense. Uh, Frankie Feaster uh, easily put in one of the best individual defensive performances
as we've seen all year at the post-game press conference, talked about how their game plan was to set their defense up in so many different ways as to not just confuse Randolph-Macon's offensive line, but to force them to move laterally. He said, we did not want them getting comfortable moving north to south and trying to drive down the field as they normally do. We wanted them to have to go side to side from the moment of the snap, keep them guessing, keep them wondering, and certainly they did. They made Burke Estes uncomfortable all afternoon long. Uh, Feaster himself had four sacks on the day, and out of his nine tackles, one of the most mind-blowing defensive statistics I've seen at any level, out of his nine tackles, seven and a half of them were for loss of yardage. You think about that. Every time Feaster essentially got a tackle, the Yellow Jackets lost yards. So a total of 98 yards of total offense, and it was a tough way for the Yellow Jackets to end the season. Obviously, players disappointed. Head coach Pedro Aruza disappointed in the post-game press conference, wanting to kind of take some time to decompress and think about the season now that it has come uh, to a close. But looking ahead, Muhlenberg now has to face the giant that is Mount Union. That would have been Randolph-Macon's assignment had they won Saturday. That would be another trip back up to Ohio. The defending national champions won their opener 60 to nothing. They won last week over center 51-35 in a game where they had the lead at 1.51-7, so it was some garbage touchdowns late for center to make the score closer than the game actually was. So now Muhlenberg has to face Mount Union up in Ohio there in the quarterfinals. And on the other side of the bracket, Johns Hopkins is there. They've got RPI coming up this weekend too but hats off to the Yellow Jackets they're 24 seniors uh, who helped turn a team when they were their freshman season they started one and six they won their last three games and then they won ODAC championships in 2016 2018 and you can argue that one poor defensive performance and a couple of plays that didn't go their way was all that separated Randolph-Macon from three straight ODAC football championships falling just short back in 2017. So questions going into the offseason, we'll get to them coming up in just a bit. Congratulations to Randolph-Macon men's basketball. A fantastic weekend at the Emory Thanksgiving Classic in Atlanta. They get a Saturday evening win over Oglethorpe, and then yesterday they knock off number 18 Emory by 20 points. Emory had a 36-game non-conference home winning streak entering yesterday's action, and the Yellow Jackets not only ended that streak, they pummeled Emory into submission, putting up 94 with Monty Adams with a double-double with 11 points and 12 rebounds. So the men are 7-0. They will probably start getting some votes now in the national top 25 polls, and they have a big ODAC encounter at home Wednesday night. Hope you'll join us in Crenshaw, 7 o'clock, 48 hours from now, when Randolph-Macon gets back into ODAC play against Washington and Lee. Kelsey Wisner of the women's basketball team this afternoon earns her first career Old Dominion Athletic Conference Player of the Week honor after a huge game last Tuesday night against Bridgewater in a 94-87 win on the road, 21 points, 7 assists. Some big blocks, uh, and Kelsey, the, one of the few seniors on the 2018-19 Yellow Jackets, picking up the ODAC Player of the Week award, second consecutive Yellow Jacket to do so. Of course, Kelly Williams won that award uh, back in week one. We have more Randolph-Macon talk coming up on the other side of our first break, and we're going to have finally an opportunity to sit down and talk with the head coach of Randolph-Macon field hockey. Just completing their 2018 season, we'll look back. We'll look at what's going on now, and we'll look forward to 2019 and beyond with head coach Jess Weiss. That's coming up next as we continue here at Sports Page Grill Ashland live on this Monday night on 1029 The Mater. Back in a moment, you are in the Red Zone. We'll be back with more from the Red Zone after these messages. 
When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Where do you bring the family for sports, great food, and excellent service? Sports Page Grill in Ashland. Walking distance from Randolph-Macon College, Sports Page Ashland features 40 and 55-inch TVs, all high-definition flat screens. Sports Page Ashland has something for everyone on the menu, like their fresh Angus beef burgers or chicken wings, which everyone agrees are the best in town. Kids' night is Wednesday. All kids' meals are served on Frisbees that they can take home. Your family will love the friendliest faces you can find anywhere north of Richmond at Sports Page Grill in Ashland. For nightly specials and more, check them out on Facebook. Sports Page Ashland. What is us? Us is a foundation. Us is the future. Us is a bond. But right now, that bond is fraying. And we need a place that could make it whole. From diabetes prevention to safety around water. The Y fills the gaps. And bridges our divides. But they can't do it without us. Support your local Y today. Because where there's a Y... There's an us. Read by members of the Y. The Y for a better us. are back live in the red zone at Sports Page Grill Ashland. Big thanks to our sponsors. To We Think and Ink right down the road here on uh, England Street in Ashland. We get all of our printing and, and whatnot done there and you should absolutely do the exact same thing. Uh, obviously our friends at Massey Wood and West fueling Virginia since 1923. If you got busy before Thanksgiving had the relatives come over and you haven't checked that oil tank yet, uh, you might want to do that. Temperatures, uh, did you tell when you went to work this morning, kind of rainy but a bit on the, on, at least it felt a little warm and then you stepped out of the office at five this afternoon and said hang on a minute what's going on uh, that's the cold front had arrived and we're back to 40s over 20s the next few days masseywoodandwest.com is where you need to go for that and of course our great friends here at sports page grill ashland always a pleasure to be here every monday night and one of the things we enjoy the most about the broadcast is a chance to sit down and talk with the movers and shakers coaches and players here not just in hannah County, but across the RVA, and I've been trying to get this coach on this program for quite some time, and we've had everything from, you know, practices that had to happen to uh, tornado watches and warnings that, that, that gave us a problem one week. It's just crazy what's been happening this year, but a good opportunity now to sit down and talk with the head field hockey coach for Randolph-Macon. Coach Jess Weiss joins us here in the Red Zone. Good evening. How are you? Um, fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I know I, I couldn't believe that, of all things, that were going to prevent me from getting here, a tornado watch was going to be one of them, and then we had a second one, so yeah, I mean, nothing like making it interesting. That was an absolutely crazy night because the other guest I had trying to come in was uh, Patrick Henry boys volleyball coach Michael Townsend. And, of course, what happened at the high school level that day was that they sheltered everyone in place. They didn't let the students go home because of the watches and the warnings in the area. Right. And so coach, you know, was like with his team and a bunch of other students, I, I guess they were like, you know, playing charades or watching Frozen or something. Right. Yeah, the backup hours. to the backup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we got you now, and I'm really yes. excited yes, about it. Yes, as am I. Thanks for I, having we me. We were just talking off off my during the commercial break i can't believe that was that you just wrapped up your third season at the helm here at randolph making 
that time has flown. It feels like you kind of just got here and got settled. Um, what are the things now, looking back on the three years so far, that you're happiest about in terms of the program had bottomed out, needed a f- fresh start, and you've been able to move it forward significantly in a conference that gives you a, a whole lot of competition, and it's not very easy to make that turn and get back up to the top. For sure. Um, you know, it's definitely been going from having a roster of 17 to a roster of 24 i think that's been the biggest change um not only do you not have to worry about injuries as much but you're able to sustain that competitiveness and practice on a daily basis so having 24 players on a roster 23 anywhere around that range you're able to full field scrimmage every day yeah which i really think has helped them get more game experience outside of games it keeps your fitness level up you're able to able to compete more there are no set spots we changed our starting lineup almost on on a daily basis um and those types of things just really keep the competitiveness going and we've really we've really had a great buy-in i mean even from the players that continue to stay on the roster when i first got here they you know they they really bought in and they really kind of set the tone for things and that first group of four seniors and then the three seniors after that um they truly bought into it and they've been in constant contact and i've had some great contact with the alumni as well so being able to hear from them and check in with them has been fantastic so it's just been really great to see the progress of going from three and 14 uh to the season that we had this year with such a young group but with great leadership at our at our upperclassmen level it's it's truly been amazing um and i'm just really happy for them to to see what happens when you put in all that hard work Uh, exactly and people forget about that first class of seniors you have and even the second class that you have where they're coming in and now suddenly with one or two seasons to go in their collegiate career they have to look at a different philosophy a different way of doing things heck maybe even a different starting time for practices you know it's a schedule change and like you said you know they've either got to go okay I, i will do this and and not only will i do it but i will believe in it and that's a that's a big difference you know there are some student athletes that may do it while they don't believe in it but if you can get them to believe then it helps you build that foundation so much easier and usually quicker yeah it really was helpful i mean the like i said the first four um having a senior year of going three and 14 is not ideal by any means um but i always promised them that i would believe in them as people and that they were they were not the end of something else that they were the start of the start um and that i would never forget that and we would always fall back on that they had a huge hand in helping us develop our our cornerstones of character and things like that so i consulted them on that because they had been with the program longer than i had and they knew why they chose randolph macon and now i know why they chose randolph macon Mm because i've been here for three years and i get it um but first coming in you you never know why people choose choose to come to a place and they they expressed that and we talked about the things that they felt were important and, and the legacy that they wanted to leave and then that second group they you know they did the same thing so they really truly embraced that through a lot of difficult times and you know only winning those three games was very hard on on them but being able to have them and have a good link to the alumni and the program that was here before and and the coach before and you know i know crystal carper very well and just being able to build off of that um and just really truly try to hone in on why people chose to be a part of the program and hold on to that while also offering a a different perspective um and a new perspective and the vision that i had for the program now i want to talk about this season specifically in a couple of moments but i want to talk about the sport in general we had patrick henry's head coach abby rossman on i think maybe the second in addition of this broadcast to debut at the beginning of August. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get her on the program quickly was to talk up field hockey prior to the start of the season. 
in both at the high school level and, of course, here with Randolph-Macon. What's the number one thing you get asked when people uh, you meet or people who know you get an opportunity to talk to you and they look at you and go, okay, field hockey? What is that? <laughs> Explain it to me because it's it's one of those sports where it, 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 you're still trying to find the opportunity to, to reach the masses. Right. That's one of the things that you deal with that, you know, football or basketball or baseball doesn't have to worry about. Right, right. Yeah, I would honestly, probably the number one thing is why are there so many whistles? Um, either that or why can't they use the other side of the stick? Um, so people just assume that it's just like ice hockey where you can use both sides of it, but you can't. Or they're always asking why or doesn't it hurt your back? that you're bent over so much so you're right it's such an obscure sport to so many but once people start to get into it I, I think they really truly enjoy it and at the international level they made a shift to four quarters to try to keep the game moving and to keep it interesting to see if that could potentially help um, people be a little bit more excited and there is always a push from our coaches association to get more of the games on television and on ESPN and you know you've got some great teams at all divisions that we really truly feel like are are underreported on. So I'm so thankful that you've had me on, and that's great that you you know that you had the local high school on as well. I mean, it it just it doesn't it doesn't get enough coverage, and I think because it's a little misunderstood. But once people start to understand it, it can be really exciting. And it's you know they're some of the toughest student athletes I've ever seen. I mean, girls get smacked in the the head with a stick or a ball and they want to keep going they don't want to come off they don't even realize they're bleeding and right it, that to me is just such a sign of resilience and how much they love the sport and it's it, to me it's super exciting and i think once people start to to get a hang of it they catch the same feeling so how is the coach uh, you, you talked about the whistles a second ago and i gotta ask you about this because sometimes i, I get frustrated even as a reporter um i, I kind of feel that it's like you know the flow of the game how could they improve it so that it just doesn't happen enough and i know what a lot of times with the whistles it's very quickly back to action right you know it's not like a whistle and a foul in basketball but do you sometimes even struggle in terms of of keeping your team in a rhythm and a flow and are there things that you do in practice to try to keep that going and uh, maybe limit the number of whistles that that are going to happen due to you to whatever you're trying to do? sure yeah i mean we're constantly trying to you know we'll do free possessions coming into the goal we'll constantly try to change which pile of balls we take them from so that way they have to shift and they're on the move and they're restarting from a spot that they weren't just in so that way they have to keep moving and they can't think about everything else that's going on and where should I set up perfectly and whatnot. But, I mean, they have made a lot of umpiring improvements to try to continue keeping the flow of the game. Um, when I played back in the day, um, there wasn't a self-start rule, which has made huge improvements to the flow and the excitement. Um, they used to let people set up and create this little wall, and oh, you'd always wow. be screaming that from the back to have people set up. So that really slowed it down. Um, but they are trying to, to make improvements to that, and they really put an emphasis on umpires allowing the, the advantage to play out. So that's generally what we're talking about as coaches is to continue allow the advantage to, to play out because it might hit the opponent's foot, but there's no need for a whistle because I continue to possess the ball or it doesn't disrupt the flow of me moving forward. So continuing to try to fight for that and allow a whistle to be held a little while longer, mm -hmm. but then in turn us as coaches showing a little bit more patience to not throw our hands up when the whistle isn't blown yes. right away because we're expecting a call or our players and we tell them that all the time like you cannot control what the officials are going to do no. so there's no I don't allow throwing up of the hands or things like that because it's just not productive um, 
and you just self-start and go. And if it's not your ball, it wasn't your ball. But if you know in your heart that it was a foul against the opponent, just continue going. Um, and there is there has been a lot of adjustments to the engaging distance that you can make and the opponent then influencing the play. And there's so many obscure things that go into it. Um, but it is a very, very objective game, and, and every official sees it differently, um, which can be tough in the long run. It's not as black and white like it is in some other sports, you know. I mean, I guess it's kind of like a strike zone in baseball that okay. yeah. every umpire has their own their own gauge of what they think a strike is. So I guess it is very similar, which can be you – know, it can be a little bit frustrating. But, you know, if we're asking our girls to not allow other things to influence – their play then you know we have to preach the same on the sideline that it's not something we can control and you just learn to adapt to what they're calling and go from there yeah, yeah kind of like the national football league struggles the last couple of years yes. about what is a catch and what yes. is not a catch and i think maybe they've started to finally get a handle on that yes head coach jess weiss of randolph making field hockey with us here in the red zone okay coach this year even in the conference four and four um it, it lose a tough one there in the odak quarterfinal eight wins on the season though what are the biggest strides you think the team made this year and what do you think the biggest struggles were I think stride wise is just their confidence I think when you start nine freshmen that can be you know they, they don't really know each other they don't know how each other plays they don't understand the the speed change you know they they're talented and obviously they're talented because they wouldn't be playing in college and they wouldn't have been able to start and play as much as they did if they weren't but understanding that you're going against seniors that have been playing for four years that just kind of have a little bit of a different urgency they have the experience they understand the flow a little bit better mm -hmm. watching the shift in their confidence as individuals and as a group from last year to this year has truly been incredible i mean they they now know what it takes they now want to get after it they now know that you know they, they have a little bit of an edge to them um which we you know we saw last year but like i said that you can't teach experience um and they were talented enough and i think we really competed and i think that showed from our three all-conference players last year yep. and they they truly stepped up to the plate and i thank them for that on a daily basis that having that big group of underclassmen and mostly freshmen having to step onto the field and compete in the masses on a daily basis generally it's two three four freshmen that are out there and starting but to have nine starting on a daily basis is such a task that you know they knew coming in and that they fully believed in that they were excited about and that i've put my trust in them and they put their trust in the, in the process and the program and just truly bought into the vision and now i think they're really starting to get it and in our post postseason evals they just their their teeth are grinding and they're kind of shaking to get back after it because they know how close they were they saw how close they were and i think that is the biggest thing that we've seen is just the cohesion with them as a group mm -hmm. and you know they then the freshmen that we have now that all played a significant amount if not started most of our games they see what that example looks like and that's easier for them to make that adjustment to then step up to the same level that that their sophomore class was at and i think that that truly helped so coach tell tell, tell the listeners how many seniors you had on this year's roster oh we had zero <laughs> so we had zero seniors and then our junior class we had one junior field player and two goalkeepers Unbelievable. so at any given point we could only have a maximum of two juniors on the field at one time which we did for the first few games two juniors um and then everybody else was a freshman or a sophomore so, so essentially this team and i'm not talking about the core of a team like you know the top seven will come back I'm, we're talking like 
like 18 kids coming back as a core and either freshmen or sophomores you've got many of them for another two years and many of them for another three years yep. so no wonder they're cho uh, chomping at the bit to get back yep. i suspect you and, and the coaching staff are doing the exact same thing we are yeah and in the beginning of the year you know everyone keeps saying oh they're going to be so good when they're older and our thing this year was why, why do we want to wait till you're older you guys are great right now right. and we wanted them to understand that and i think they you know they they believe that and we tried to extend that belief to them because that's the team that we're fielding and we you know we believed in that and mm -hmm. that to me is something that it's flattering to hear and it's a great confidence boost for them to feel like other people think that they're good enough mm -hmm. but i didn't want them to have to wait and I yep. think that they see that now, that they see how close we were. I mean, nine of those, yes, nine losses, but six of those were one goal. One goal. And three of them in overtime. I mean, for them to get that experience playing in those high-pressure situations, I mean, the three of those losses were, you know, conference games. So we're losing to Shenandoah in overtime, Virginia Wesleyan in overtime. I mean, we're losing to the eventual champion, 4-2. to two. Um, and Roanoke one goal each time and one of yeah. those in overtime. I mean, to be that close and to think about the fact that that could have easily turned the other way, that changes your, you know, win-loss record isn't everything, but that, that's a shift of momentum for them. But that's a, a slight change from eight and nine to completely the other way and, you know, winning close to 14 games. So that's something that I think they see now and they get. If you can call it a positive, and I think you can, the positive to that eight and nine is just what you were talking about, the sense that it seems like this group of young ladies are going to look at how close that they were, and it's not going to be a discouragement as in, man, we'll just never, you know, we'll never climb right. the mountain, we'll never break through the wall. This, this sounds like a group that's going to come back next year and go, okay, you see this, this, and this, and this that happened last year, we're going to make sure that it's the other way around. Exactly, and I think... It's almost better in the long run, and you don't realize this until you've stepped back from the season. I think it's double-sided, too, because if they see that success immediately, they think everything that they've done to prepare has been perfect. Yeah. Um, so this allows me to also look at some of the things that we did, and maybe if I would have made a slight adjustment here and there that we could have been you know, closer to the 14 wins. And, and that's something that if you get there, like I said, a, a lot of people – just assume that, great, if I did this and if I do this again, we're going to be in the same spot. So not having that overnight success, I think, is actually beneficial to be more sustainable in the long run, which I'm really hoping they understand. And based on what, what they've said in their postseason evals, I really feel like they have. You know, they're very, they're very self-aware. They understand, you know, okay, I did this, but I have to do this instead, or this is what I'm going to commit myself to on and off the field in the offseason. And they, they get it, and they want to do that, and they want to make that step, and, and they're committed to doing that and that's really all you can ask for as a coach so in terms of off-season uh, goals and priorities uh, uh, generating more offense would that be near the top uh, 28 goals 17 matches right obviously you'd like to see the goals per game average go for up. sure yeah yeah i mean we earned 95 more corners than we did last year uh which is a huge improvement i mean that's just incredible to think about so we've definitely controlled more of the midfield game and being able to get those attacking opportunities. But yeah, there's a lot of individual development in the spring. So we'll be able to kind of focus on them a little bit more in terms of their one V one skills and their finishing skills and just being able to work on our post play and things like that. So being able to just to kind of reflect on, okay, let's look at where we, we could have made some improvements. That's definitely one. And you know, that that's some preparation as well. So, you know, I have some things to look back on and see how we can adjust and what else can we do in practice to improve that. And you've got a couple of, uh, 
very good uh, now players that have been given all ODAC honors this year that can build upon next year and and certainly starting in goal when you when you start in goal as a freshman that is a very difficult thing to do I don't care what level you're at <laughs> yeah it is and coming from a fellow goalkeeper it's that pressure is already enough as is um, but Gatlin really thrives off of that um, you know she's she's very businesslike and she knows that she has a job to do and her and and Katie Thompson and Ariel the three of them really make the whole team better as a whole because they really get along well and but they want to compete against each other but at the end of the day they're the first ones to congratulate someone else on doing a great job and they're the first first ones to to say positives about the team as a whole and to be cheering on the sideline so to be able to have that competitive spirit with each other but also make the team better on a daily basis because they all offer different skill sets I mean that's just that's invaluable so to be able to have that support and you know Gatlin did do a great job and she had a fantastic defense in front of her as well and just to be able to cut our goals against average in half yeah. from last year to this year I mean I think Gatlin finished top six in save percentage and it's not like she wasn't seeing a lot of shots I mean she saw over 100 shots and goal so to be able to sustain a goals against average and uh, at 1.74 is it's great um, and to be able to have a save percentage I think around 80 something I'm not sure where she finished up but to be in the top six in the NCAA is a very impressive statistic for a freshman absolutely no doubt about it so uh, how has it been and I obviously we can't talk specifics but from just a general standpoint uh, you now are several seasons in from the recruiting standpoint you talked about having to build the roster back up numerically that was part of the early challenge for you what are the, some of the things you're doing now for example you know knowing how many players you can have in a certain you know year you got to now the, the problems change they become more like okay we got to make sure we get a couple of goalies in because you know right. two are graduating or whatever the case may be what, what are the things that you're kind of focusing on there now that you don't have to worry as much about sheer numbers right it is definitely a shift of mindset um, and you have to be somewhat forward-thinking in terms of the fact that we know we're going to be losing a huge chunk in two years yeah. um, so that kind of makes the recruiting game a little bit different and for this class right now we have three committed currently and that three is a great group um, they've got some attacking mindsets but defending mindsets and they can play in the midfield so that's that's always a bonus is to be able to sustain a high level of play in the midfield um, and we're waiting on one or two you know other spots that we've given out and we've got potentially some other people in the bubble that could really help us as well so just trying to figure out that numbers game is definitely a challenge um, and you know this class is a little bit smaller our last freshman class was six um, I don't know if this one will get to that or not um, right. but the 2020 roster will definitely be a larger one just to kind of prep for that hit that that class will will then take on the team so I'm really excited about it we've got some more interest coming from the north which is always helpful you know we're trying to spread the word about how great the college is and the fact that it's starting to seep a little bit more more, more north is great um, especially being a northerner myself um, but you know we, we've got right now the majority of our roster from Virginia there's a lot of really great hockey in the Richmond area and we're you know we're con consistently seeing a, a lot of interest from there and the Virginia Beach area as well um, like the whole Hampton Roads area um, and we've got three kids from Maryland right now but we're really trying to, to push a little bit more of the north as well just mostly to spread the awareness about how great the college is and how fantastic our, our athletic department is and that then and really creates more of a competitiveness in the recruiting field so 
we are very happy with with the the interest we've received from really all over um we've you know got some girls from california that have ex expressed some interest as well so that's always exciting to see and like i said that that really raises the level per recruiting class and that's what we want um this last freshman class we were very very happy with they all significantly impacted the team and that's what we're always looking for um you know are they going to come in are they going to make us better are they going to raise the level of play and are they going to be great teammates because we're looking at the person first and then their impact on the field second and if we're getting good people in here then we feel like automatically our level of play is going to increase and we're just going to get better as a whole and that's what we're looking for first and we're really excited about the people that we've got in mind awesome coach before i let you go uh, completely take the coach hat off and just be the field hockey person that you are okay, okay? And, and even if you want to harken back on your time as a player and you mentioned you were goalkeeper correct i was yes okay so what do you like better natural grass or synthetic turf well, from uh, from a playing standpoint, I mean, if you're going to look at the consistent basis of playing, it's going to be the synthetic. Okay. I mean, if you've got the most pristine grass in the world, it's a truer bounce, and you kind of understand where it's going to go, and every field turf is different. Mm -hmm. So when you play on it, it just really, the depth of the field, the amount of infill in it, all these different factors play into it. So there is a little bit of ambiguity in terms of how the ball is going to bounce, where it's going to go. So on a consistency basis... If you take the weather out of it, the, uh, gr a grass surface might be might be more consistent. But generally speaking, I mean, you just can't go wrong with the synthetic. I mean, the game has just totally changed with the introduction of that. And obviously, on water base, it's it's even more exciting to play on, and that's a little bit more of a truer flow as well. But even even still, that synthetic surface, just depending on the the how much water's in it, and you know, the height of it, every single one bounces differently. Oh, yeah. And if it thins out, if it's brand new, I mean, you just never really know. Uh, which kind of, I guess, brings a whole new meaning to home field advantage because you understand how your field plays. So, I mean, but from a goalkeeping standpoint, I just I've always enjoyed playing on the the synthetic stuff just because, you know, like I said, it's a little faster and it's more exciting. And that truly, I think, is what again, that's what we need. We need more excitement because we want to generate the general public's excitement for it to be parallel to how we feel about it. Right. Um, so that's always what we're going for. And I think if you continue to play on that and, and you know, we continue just to develop in, in our grassroots programs and things like that, people are going to start to understand how great it is. And I got to tell you, it's fun to watch under the lights of day field. It has been very exciting. It's like I said, the, the level of play and the way that our girls have played this year, it was a lot of fun to watch them get after it. And it's truly been just really an honor to see all of that hard work pay off for them. And there were there were a lot of really exciting moments out there. I mean, we had some pretty big wins. That win over Washington and Lee was probably oh, yes. one of the more fun games I've been a part of. Um, and I'm so glad that that happened at home and was in front of a, a huge crowd because that was, you know, that was a really big turning point. And I think the girls now understand. I mean, they won the conference last year. They went to the Sweet 16. So to be able to see that and to be able to feel how, how much they dominated that game really was good for them. And, you know, I think that's just a huge boost for us, and it has been a lot of fun playing under the lights there um, and just being being just a part of the, the college community as a whole. Because it's one thing if you have a milestone match in your season, but it's played two hours away. 
as opposed mm-hmm. to being able to play it in front of the home crowd. Right. And, and even then, you know, the difference between having it happen on a Wednesday evening or maybe having it happen on a Saturday after a home football game, everything's relative. Right. And it, it helps you in terms of confidence. It helps you in terms of notoriety on campus because you guys are fighting in the fall for attention with football and incredibly um, successful volleyball for program, sure. et cetera. Yeah, you're fighting within your own campus community for right. people to, hey, come on out and see us. Right. Washington and Lee is a huge opponent for so many teams on campus and for us to have upset them in a big way that was i mean a, a lot of girls were saying that people were like wow that's huge i mean oh two weeks later people were still talking about it so while that didn't exactly propel us any further forward at the end of the season it did in a mentality standpoint yes. and and off of the stat sheet so people talking about that on campus is definitely great and you know the athletic department and people on campus have been great about emailing after a big win and just forwarding the email along and saying wow this is so great so happy for the girls and so happy for for you and your staff just to see these things moving forward and and that again is just a testament to how great this community is and for people to be supporting that and paying attention to those things that that just feels really great because then you know that the girls are feeling that as well so i'm happy for them to have that they put in a lot of hard work no doubt about that head coach jess weiss of randolph macon field hockey thank you so much for being with us tonight here live on the in the red zone here on 1029 the mater it's a great conversation we got to get you back sometime so much we'll do i'll be here fantastic when we come back after this time out fans we'll break down a little bit the 2018 football season for randolph macon that came to a close on saturday with the loss in allentown pennsylvania Uh, how did they take this and spring it full what does it mean for the ODAC? There are changes coming to the conference next year. We'll kind of put a wrap on that season. And we'll also look to head to an incredibly busy week. Uh, not only uh, men's basketball at home for a couple of games, women's basketball, three games in the ODAC, one on the road, two at home. And then on top of that, we've got high school basketball starting in the RBA tonight and in Hanover County tomorrow night. All of that coming up when we come back after this time out on 1029 The Mater live at Sports Page Grill. Ashland, you are in the red zone. There's more to come right after this short break. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been servicing the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923. Offering the finest in home heating fuel oil and propane gas, Massey Wood and West is a premier dealer of Heil heating and cooling equipment with professional service and installation of gas or oil furnaces. Heil systems are backed by 100 years of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. Massey Wood and West gives you one-stop shopping for your standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, and Heil equipment. Call today for your heating and cooling needs at 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey Wood and West, a premier Heil dealer. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote 
remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 877-801-0746. 877-801-0746. That's 877-801-0746. Page Grill Ashland. You are in the red zone on a Monday night, Monday after Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good holiday and a safe one as well. I got to take it just a quick second before we kind of put a wrap on the 2018 Randolph Macon football season and give a shout out to my broadcast partner, Marty Wilson, the voice of the Yellow Jackets, who you got to understand behind the scenes during this season, we took road trips to Baltimore, uh, to Lexington. We went to Winchester. Uh, we had Emory and Henry all the way down near the Tennessee border. And then, of course, we had the two in the postseason, one near Cleveland and now in Allentown this past uh, Saturday. And, and Marty is uh, the kind of guy he's kind of like me in this sense. We both when we travel, we like to be the one behind the wheel. So, Marty, uh, out of that 1,606 miles I was telling you earlier at the outset of the broadcast tonight, I think he logged about 1,250 of them, and, and all of them in his fine car. Uh, and we just had so much fun. Behind the scenes, he, he is an, uh, just a wealth of information, having been a part of the Randolph-Macon community since becoming a student there. Got it. 30-some years ago, and it'll kill me for saying that on the radio. Uh, he was an SID there at, the, at one time, and of course now he now transfers into basketball. He and Andrew Price will have the call of uh, Wednesday night's game at home against Washington and Lee uh, coming up on the website rmcathletics.com uh, uh, at 7 o'clock, and we hope to be there live on Twitter at Hanover Sports as well for the action Wednesday with the Yellow Jackets. But Marty, just a wealth of knowledge, a fantastic color analyst, a great broadcast partner, and a heck of a driver, too. And he can pour a pretty mean red solo cup full of animal crackers as well. Phil Stanton taught him how to do that, I do believe. So to Marty, hats off to you, my friend. A fantastic season, and really thank you for uh, making the tra the transition for me in season one with the Yellow Jackets on the radio. Uh, incredibly seamless. Now we look at 2018 to 2019 for Randolph-Macon. A very special senior class is leaving. Final game being played on Saturday in Allentown. You think about contributors like Eric Hoy. You think about uh, uh, someone along the line like a Greg Castle, who was a third-team All-American uh, last year. Uh, you think about guys in, in on the defense like a Ryan Burns, who unfortunately wasn't able to play a whole lot down the stretch due to, due to injury. You think about uh, a guy like Owen Ritter, who really came into his own this season. Uh, you know, opening night, he was playing free safety on the defense against Johns Hopkins. And then we saw him make key catches and a huge touchdown grab in the game against Hamden Sydney in the game a few weeks ago to give him a 21-0 lead at the half. And then he caught another touchdown pass in the win over John Carroll. You know, talk about the willingness to be anywhere and do anything for, for your coaches. Uh, there's Trey Frederick, obviously, who will leave as one of the top uh, ODAC uh, rushers of all time. And while, yes, he does have a decision to make in terms of possibly using a, a red shirt, a medical red shirt year, and have an extra year of eligibility remaining, you know, when you get to the end and you're getting ready to get your degree, then it's a question of, you know, what do you want to do and where do you want to go? And so whatever decision he makes, we obviously are going to fully support him and congratulate him all of his endeavors. Look at Sean McDonald, the tight end, who did so many things for the team this year, from fullback to blocking back to, you know, he got the onside kick catch to seal the deal against John Carroll in the postseason game. You know, the name just go on and on. Got to get a new punter. Julian Drew, 
his final game on Saturday. This is a team, again, that this, this senior class back in 2015, that year they started one and six. They won their last three, and then they won the ODAC title in 2016. They went seven and three and came very close to the championship in 17. Uh, this year they go nine and three, win the ODAC, have their fifth consecutive win over Hamden Sydney in in that in incredible and most important rivalry you get the playoff win in Ohio you get to go to the second round and I know while Coach Arusa and his staff are still kind of mulling over this short-term what went wrong on Saturday, and rightfully so, and I'm sure he has poured over the film of that game over and over and over by this particular point, uh, we're able outside of that bubble to kind of look at the big picture and to congratulate Coach Arusa, uh, his staff, and, of course, the players on one of the greatest seasons in the history uh, of Randolph-Macon College football. You know, we talk a lot about the 19. 19- 68 team, uh, the 1969 team who won the Newt Rotney Bowl uh, back in late November of that year, their 50th anniversary coming up next season. Uh, the ODAC champions of 84, 2008, and of course even two years ago. But this team, the 2018 Yellow Jackets, you know, they did something no one else had done, and it was the first road win in the NCAA tournament for a team out of the ODAC since 2005. You got to go back 13 years to Bridgewater winning on the road in the first round for the last ODAC team to get a road win in the NCAA tournament. So it's a huge accomplishment for Randolph-Macon in a a continual process of trying to transform the program from being, you know, one that that is trying to win the ODAC year in and year out to one who expects to win the ODAC and then not only that, expects to go into the NCAA tournament and do damage. They want to advance. They're not going to be happy next year if they win the ODAC, make the tournament, and lose in the first round. They'll consider that a step backwards. Now you want to get closer to those elite teams, those Mount Unions, those Mary Harden Baylors, those Wisconsin Whitewaters, uh, who are all still remaining. Johns Hopkins, one of the eight teams remaining uh, in the NCAA tournament. And I think the, the margin between the great and where Randolph-Macon is is much closer now here at the end of 2018 than we probably thought back in August uh, during training camp. Recruiting will be huge. Who can they bring in as a freshman class who one day we'll be talking about as the class of 2023? And, of course, some of the returnees to next year's team are going to be important. On special teams, Chris Vidal is back. Defensively, D'Angelo Barr will be back. Brian Sullivan will be back. They are big contributors. Calvin Whitehead will be back. Matthew Vagara, who had the pick six, he's just a sophomore. He's got two years remaining. Hopefully, Tyler DeBerry comes back fine from injury. He's got two years remaining. Steven Richardson was just a freshman out of Verina. So you, and I'm not even giving all of the names of people who will become very important parts of, of the Cogs, so to speak. Ricky Mayfield, the freshman out of Goochland, got uh, time late at linebacker. Tavian Anderson from Hermitage. He'll be back along the defensive line next year. You know, the, this, the, the, the names just go on and on and on. You look at the uh, offensive line. They're going to lose Greg Castle, but they've got some great guys coming back from Connor Denning, the, the sophomore center. Alex Alcaius, uh, Jake Wernel, he'll be a senior next year. Alcaius will be a junior next year. So a lot to build on uh, for the Yellow Jackets, and we look forward to that. But now in terms of making nation, our – Ice turnover to uh, basketball, both for the men and the women. We mentioned uh, earlier in the broadcast, uh, Randolph-Macon's big 94-74 win at number 18 Emory last night uh, at the uh, part of the Emory uh, Thanksgiving Classic in Atlanta. They are now 7-0 on the season. Emory had won 36 straight games at home against non-conference opponents. That streak is over. 
Uh, Randolph-Macon shooting very well from the floor, very balanced scoring, as well as very balanced scoring through the game. 47 in the first half, 47 in the second half, an early run to get a 29-14 lead after eight minutes. Uh, and, and they shot 46% from three-point range, 13 of 28, which is the best they've done so far this year. A big week, though, early on. We're not even in December yet, and, and the calendar uh, in terms of ODAC play, they've already got the win over Fair before Thanksgiving. Now WNL comes in Wednesday night, and then it doesn't get any easier as uh, Saturday. There's another big game coming up, too, and the opponent just escaped me, so I'm bringing it up on my computer right now to remind myself. And, of course, Emory and Henry is coming in. And, oh, by the way, after that, next Wednesday night, Randolph-Macon takes the trip uh, down to Farmville. So by the time they come back from that trip to Farmville in nine nights, you know, if they can beat Washington and Lee, beat Emory and Henry at home, go down and get the win in Farmville, you know, they're going to head into a showdown going to Christopher Newport a week from Saturday. You know, they could be 10-0. They could be 4-0 in the conference. Uh, that would be just a, a fantastic uh, start for Josh Merkel and his crew. And on the women's side, they absorbed the early loss on the road to ranked Marymount. They were ranked number 25 in the nation, were the Yellow Jackets last week. They get a great opening win at Bridgewater. They uh, have a good Thanksgiving off, and now they have a very, very, very challenging week this week. Three in-conference affairs. They got to go to Shenandoah Wednesday for an early 5 o'clock game turn around the next night and host Lynchburg at 7, and then turn around Saturday and host Hollins at 2 before they go to Fredericksburg a week from tomorrow and take on Mary Washington. That is a very, very compact amount of time and 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 in terms of how many games you've got to play and important games because we're talking, except for the Mary Washington game for the women and the CNU game for the men, over the next, what, week and a half, we're talking about some critical ODAC matchups that if you can get the victories and be unbeaten in ODAC play going into the holiday break, it is a huge advantage when you start getting into the conference grind of January and February. Now, let's switch attention for just a moment off of Randolph-Macon and onto the high school level as a couple of things we want to mention. Number one, high school basketball 2018-19 gets underway in the area tonight. First girls basketball game out of the Capital District is tonight where J.R. Tucker goes to Henrico. That one tips in about, fifth, uh, about 40, 45 minutes from now. But in terms of Hanover County Schools, most of them getting started tomorrow. Our plans are to be over at Hanover. They're going to have a boys-girls varsity doubleheader tomorrow with deep run. The girls will tip at 6, and the boys will tip at 7.30. Uh, for Hanover this season, the keys are very simple. We had the girls coach Mike Rohr here on In the Red Zone a few weeks ago. Jordan Davis comes back healthy from that Achilles injury, and she will certainly lead the way for a team that comes back 7-8 deep with very experienced players. Adriana Jacobs and Jessica Russell and Ellen Paglia, uh, not to mention starters like Sarah Johnson. Uh, you know, they lose Rachel Metzger, but they've got a ton coming back. Hanover won 16 games last year, and they're looking not only to get back into the postseason and do damage, but to do more damage and try to get uh, deeper into uh, region tournament play and hopefully state tournament play. This could be a very important year for Hanover on the girls' side. And on the boys' side, they had a really rough year last year, uh, but boy, they're, they got a ton of talent talking with coach uh, Darren Thornton before the season started and working on um, uh, the previews that you'll see in the next edition of both the Mechanicsville local and the Ashland Hanover local that I wrote that'll come out on Wednesday you'll note that uh, the coach is going to have a problem in terms of how is he's going to get all of his players on the court because you only put five on at a time and 
his team's going to have 16 players, and it will not surprise me if he goes early in the season, 9, 10, even 11 deep. Uh, and they have a lot of players coming back who got significant experience, even though last year was a disappointing season for them, and you can parlay that experience into something special. I think you, you can't sleep on two other boys' basketball teams here in Hanover County this year, one of them being Atlee, who had a better-than-expected first year under head coach Riley XL, who was with us here on the program a few weeks back. They lose a couple of big guns, including sharpshooter Carson Miller to graduation, but Tyler Warren, their leading scorer, is back. You got the two Jacksons and Weatherly and Badinger. Uh, you're going to have a couple of guys who are hurt early. They got hurt playing football, so they won't be available until post-Christmas. Atlee's going to play in Henrico Holiday Hoops this year, and I think that's going to be very important for them. And the Atlee girls look strong again this season, but in a tough region, 5B, uh, they're going to have to play really well in order to get one of those eight playoff spots and 15 teams competing and don't sleep on lee davis boys basketball either there could be some really interesting things coming out of chad bishop's team uh, in year four for him patrick henry opens tomorrow night against hermitage the boys go to two hermitage for that one and the girls are at home and that starts at 7 30 let's take our final timeout. come up and wrap things up on this edition of in the red zone live at sports page grill ashland we'll do that right after this timeout on 1029 the mater you are in the red zone in the red zone. We'll take a short time out. We'll be right back. So stay tuned to the Mater. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been servicing the Richmond and surrounding area since 1923. Offering the finest in home heating fuel oil and propane gas, Massey Wood and West is a premier dealer of Heil heating and cooling equipment with professional service and installation of gas or oil furnaces. Heil systems are backed by 100 years of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. Massey Wood and West gives you one-stop shopping for your standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, and Heil equipment. Call today for your heating and cooling needs at 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey Wood and West, a premier Heil dealer. Got about a minute and a half left here in the red zone on this Monday night. Uh, big thanks again to our friends at Sports Page Grill Ashland for hosting us each and every week here live on the Mater and to our sponsors, We Think and Inc., as well as our friends at Massey Wood and West at MasseyWoodandWest.com. I'm just telling Calvin on the break here, it just feel like that's our producer extraordinaire back in the studios. Feels weird not to promote a broadcast coming up this week because we don't have one for the first time since mid-August here on the Mater. But we do have some things in the works that we'll be telling you about uh, very, very soon. Quickly, 
quickly. Don't want to forget about high school football state semifinals coming up this weekend. Manchester, they head down in uh, Class 6 to take on Ocean Lakes. That's a 1 o'clock kick on Saturday at the Virginia Beach Sportsplex. Highland Springs is at home trying to become a four-time state champion in Class 5. They host Mari. That's a Saturday afternoon 2 p.m. kick. And good luck to the Bulldogs of Goochland. They are also in state semifinal action in Class 2A. They go to East Rockingham High School, and that also will be on Saturday. And the next Saturday, December 8th, is Championship Saturday uh, across the Virginia High School League in football. We'll come it up. We'll be back with you again next Monday night at this time. More guests, more information. Lots of stuff happening now that not only basketball's underway at the high school level, we've got swimming underway, gymnastics underway, wrestling underway, indoor track underway. So it's going to be a very busy winter, and we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on each and every Monday night right here. So for everyone as part of In the Red Zone tonight, a big thanks to head coach Jess Weiss at Randolph-Macon Field Hockey. Rob with them saying thanks for being with us, and a good night from Sports Page Grill Ashland. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a production of WHAN Radio. Our producer is Calvin Cecil. Executive producer is William Roberts. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a copyright production of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC. Any rebroadcast or reproduction in part or in whole without the express written consent of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC is strictly prohibited.